You're listening to The G-Factor with Lauren and Tony, a weekly microcast offering a variety of unique ways to market your business or organization. Now, without further ado, here are the hosts of G-Factor, Lauren Doherty and Tony Van. Okay, ladies and gents, we are back for another G-Factor podcast. I'm Tony Van. I'm Lauren Doherty. And we are super excited. Believe it or not, we have the third guest in our litany of three. You know, Lauren, they always say trilogies are the best. Do you believe that? I think that our guest today is going to be a rock star. No pressure, though. Well, there's, that is a lot of pressure right there. I think, I think that our guest is incredibly timely. Uh, we just got off of a, a national election. The results, obviously, are... Uh, up in the air. They continue to be interesting at best. And so uh, our guest today is uh, a gentleman from the Far East and North, uh, not not Asia per se, but is uh, first of all, foremost, uh, probably the number one Buffalo Bills fan I've ever known. He's also the number one hater of Tom Brady that I've ever known. So that's for what it is. Um, this gentleman is also uh, in the uh, unnamed suburb just around Albany, New York, and happens to be a friend and colleague at Corning Place Communications. So, Lauren, will you put your hands together, at least your little fingers, for a golf clap for our guest today, Josh <laughs> Papor. Josh, welcome to the group. Thank you so much for having me. Really happy to be here. Josh, it is an honor for you to be here. Now, I I will say candidly, uh, we have kind of made this step a little bit below because we're going to talk about politics today. So, you know, we kind of brought the highbrow last last week with Mimi and healthcare, and I guess we're going to get down in the trenches a little bit with you on politics. Is that fair enough? That works for me. I, uh, that's a tough act to follow. Mimi really is a, a rock star, uh, but I'll do my best. Well, um, I know we want to pepper you with questions. I'm sure that um, Lauren is sitting there with bated breath, but let's talk a little bit about your background and, and tell everyone a little bit about you. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I work at Corning Place Communications. We're a public affairs, public relations agency in Albany, New York. I've been with the firm for about six years now. Um, I manage a portfolio of clients across a variety of sectors, uh, higher ed, um, research, associations, a couple of uh, police unions, law enforcement, uh, really, you know, runs the gambit. But um, mainly our focus is the legislature here in New York State. We help our clients, um, you know, pass good bills and, and get money out of the state budget and, and, and help, you know, share their point of view on bad bills. But that's really, you know, our primary focus here. And we have a couple of kind of retail uh, PR clients, but mainly it's, it's focused on the uh, the state capital and politics. Prior to that, I spent uh, four years at the New York State Dental Association, uh, the New York component of the American Dental Association. You know, I always tell people, look on the back of your toothpaste and you'll see that little ADA seal of approval. Well, we were, we were your, uh, your New York folks. Um, that was a really interesting experience. Uh, it taught me a lot about associations and, and dealing with members and you know, all the different uh, issues around that. And then before that, I was in Boston. I spent about eight years uh, doing media relations at uh, Harvard University. Wow. So you end with Harvard. That's, that's, a, that's a dropper right there. Right, Lauren? Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I guess I, I have a question. So since on, on your ADA time, this may be a little bit off the topic, but is brushing twice a day important or is that just to sell more toothpaste? Oh, no, it's very important. Oral health is tied directly to overall health. And uh, really, you know, you get a lot of diseases start in, in, the, uh, in the mouth. So, yeah, brushing twice a day and flossing too. Very, very important stuff. That's what I've got. Um, Lauren's family, I think, owns some livestock, and they're, they're out there constantly brushing the horse teeth. And that's, that's yeah, that's what I do every night. <laughs> that's part of the Oklahoma ADA division is out there just brushing cattle teeth all the time. So Yeah, that's a big deal. You should get some photos of that. I'll tell you, when I uh, was at the Dental Association, one of the things we were trying to do is bolster our, our social media presence. And we were putting up lots of really good information about like continuing education and you know, uh, articles that are important, relevant to dentists, many of whom are small business owners. And we really weren't moving the needle. And then one day, uh, one of my colleagues sent me a photo of like a veterinary dentist at like the San Diego Zoo, like with a big oversized toothbrush, like brushing the teeth of like a walrus or something. And she's like, it's Friday. It's fun. Let's put that up. I said, all right, what the heck? It went bananas like that got shared and liked and commented on more than like all of the previous two months worth of uh, posts so um if you've got if you've got photos of uh of somebody brushing a horse's teeth you could use that just about anywhere because that is that's just social media gold right there <laughs> that's awesome that's funny I so okay well josh let's talk a little bit about the the topic at hand here um so Obviously, public policy and PR messaging. Um, it's interesting to me, you talked about, um, you know, you kind of helped the good bills and, you know, you tried to, you know, stop the bad bills. So talk to me a little bit about how that's determined and then the messaging that goes with that. Sure. So um, the way that we find that works is uh, in each state, and I'll talk about New York because that's where I am and that's what I'm familiar with. There's kind of a prescribed process, right? Like I feel like I don't want to get into like your seventh grade civics class here, but you know, bills introduced, it works its way through various committees. It eventually goes to the floor for a vote. It goes to the other house for a vote, so on and so forth. Um, there are hearings along that process, but it's a pretty short process. Here in New York, um, you know, the budget process is right around the beginning of January through April 1st. The budget's due on April 1st. And then they, they take a short break and they come back toward the end of April, and then they work through, through mid-June, passing everything that wasn't included in the bill. So you really have kind of a set time to influence that legislation. And we found that um, more and more legislators every year are recognizing and using social media as a tool to um, talk to their constituents, hear from their constituents what's important. We've had a couple of, uh, one senator that I know, you know, down in Brooklyn in particular, every Friday has kind of an open forum, like on Twitter, tell me what your issues are, let me know what they are, like a little town hall sort of. So um, we found that, that in addition to the traditional kind of media relations, earned media, um, newspaper articles, interviews, op-eds, letters to the editor, that sort of thing, that the social media is really powerful because the legislators can't meet with every single one of their constituents, but you can uh, reach a much wider audience using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and even, you know, emerging things um, like TikTok. You can reach a much, much bigger audience now and kind of develop that, that grassroots movement and, and direct them with specific messaging 
to um, reach out to their legislators and let them know what's important. And they can then, when the legislature, legislators start to see a real groundswell of support for or against a particular bill, it really can influence their um, decision-making process. And even if it doesn't happen directly, you know, we'll hear indirectly from the government relations professionals that, that'll go and meet with, their, um, with the legislators. And the legislators will say, hey, yeah, you know, what, what you guys are doing, I'm, I'm really hearing a lot about that on social media. It's really working. It's giving me room to, you know, have discussions with my colleagues about maybe making a change here or a change there. So it's, it's just another ingredient in kind of the, the soup that is, um, you know, government relations. So um, that's, that's pretty interesting, honestly. So when you're talking about that, you mentioned, you know, grassroots or get out the vote type of thing. So when you're doing this, I mean, I, I want to kind of help you, but also you tell me if I'm wrong. You know, it's, it's a very fluid process. I mean, a lot of people think that, you know, you sit down in your big room and you make this amazing plan and then, you know, everyone blesses it and you go. But um, the reality in, in public policy and public PR is that it's almost like a chess game that someone continuously flips and you're, you know, you're black and then you're white and then you're black. And, you, and that's, that's always how I've thought about it. Do you look at those audiences as internal or external? In other words, do you look at the communication to the legislators or to the legislature or public policy as an internal communication and then maybe the grassroots as an external? Or how does that ebb and flow work for you? Or does it at all? Is that something that happens? You know, we do give a lot of thought to audiences. Um, we generally tend to think of, especially if we have a coalition or some kind of like constituency that we built, um, we tend to think of those folks as really our, our internal uh, audiences and that the legislators more the external audience, right? So when, so we'll put together a calendar and we generally like to do things in like 30, 60, 90 day chunks. You can pretty well predict the, what the next 30 days is going to have in, in, in store for you, whether there's going to be, you know, a legislative committee hearing or there's going to be, you know, some other important vote. Those are the things that you can predict. You always have to, you know, be agile and, and react to things that are happening in real time. Like if somebody, you know, has a news conference or puts out, you know, a, a white paper, but you can pretty well predict more or less what's happening in 30 days. 60 days gets a little less clear, 90 days gets a little less clear after that. We like to create calendars where these are the days we're going to, you know, say these things. And then we share them with our internal audiences and say, you know, here's what we're going to be putting out. You can draft off of us, you can share it, like it, comment on it, retweet it, or you could, you could use what we're, our messaging and kind of adapt it for your own purposes and, and send that message directly to your legislator. So the way we tend to look at it in those sorts of situations where it's really more like a coalition or, or grassroots um, is they're our internal audience and the legislator is the external audience to whom we're, we're speaking. Uh, what are you doing? Uh, I'm just sitting here winding my watch. What? Yeah, I'm trying to get that new TikTok app on my, on my watch. That's not how that works. Are you sure? Really? Uh, no. As a matter of fact, the guild can help with your social media needs, including strategy, development, and management. Huh. And you don't really need to worry about TikTok app or anything else because we'll have it covered. Cool. So you'll download the app for me right on my watch? No. 
Uh, why? Because that's a Timex watch. Oh. Lauren, I don't know if you remember this or not, but back in the 90s, there was this machine. It was this magic box, and you put paper in it, and it would scan it, and then magically on the other end, and I think it was called a fax. Is a oh, fax yeah. machine. I don't know. I do. I do. I think that that was probably more like your era, though, more, more so than mine. I, it was right on the <laughs> cusp, honestly. But yeah, uh-huh. so but we, would, we would always send like uh, go packs or action packs to, you know, either public policy or so. But we got into a white noise issue. In other words, literally, I remember at this point, like the, uh, the assistants at the state capitol would look for the kind of spam facsimiles, which believe it or not, you get like there was a travel deal or a cruise deal or something like that. Right. So Josh, how do you and your team avoid that same white noise? And I assume it's through email at this point. I assume that you, you're basically suggesting people either make phone calls or email their legislators. How, how do you avoid that white noise issue? The way we avoid that issue is really with a layered approach, right? Like there isn't a one size fits all um, approach for advocacy uh, communications anymore. So you had fewer options then, right? Like I actually do remember um, fax machines. I'm guessing I'm somewhere between you two in, in age. Um, but you're, you're, you're probably uh, older than I am and younger than Lauren is what I'm, you're, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's approximately where I was going. <laughs> so uh, the yeah we we think that um different people are going to have different comfort levels with different tools right and so um we like to give them a variety of options we have some tools that we use and am am i allowed to like use specific names here i don't want to you know i'm not plugging them for endorsement purposes but well yeah i mean we're not endorsed but we're open to them so feel free to drop any name coca-cola at&t anything you'd like not under contract but open to it so go right ahead josh (laughs) so here you go so uh fiscal note provides a tool called voter voice um, which is essentially is a kind of a standard industry tool that you can use to create form letters that folks can send to their legislator. They just, you know, plug in their name and their address and it automatically generates a, a pre-written letter to their legislator. So some people have a level of comfort with those. Um, but you're right. You know, the, the legislators do tend to um, kind of filter out the, the emails. There's, they get a lot of those. So we generally do, you know, uh, call-in days, um, Twitter storms where, where they're tweeting at their legislator. We do t- traditional regular old lobby days where we bring, you know, people around physically face to, I know, right? Crazy idea. Face to face, actually meeting with a legislator. What a novel idea. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> it is a crazy thing. Um, you know, so we, we like to employ a layered approach and really try and, and, and touch them in as, as re, you know, reach them in as many ways possible. So social media, earn media, phone calls, emails, you know, lobby days, in-person visits, um, just pretty much everything you can think of um, because there's not going to be one, one way, much like when they go the other way. I mean, legislators are smart. They know when they're running their campaigns to reach voters, there's so many different ways that voters get information these days. It's not like the old days. It's not just going to be, you know, send them seven pieces of mail and leave, you know, call them on the phone and, have your pancake breakfast where you go and meet with them. It, they, they really have sophisticated social media operations these days. 
um, you know, they're, they've gotten really more savvy about using, you know, um, earned media opportunities and in interviews. So, yeah, it's really, it's really a variety of, of ways to kind of cut through that because one way, you know, I think people are pretty easy at filtering out one of those, but it's much harder to filter out seven or eight different ways. So, um, I, since Lauren's being so quiet, I mean, I think this is the first time she's ever let me talk this much, which is amazing. But um, I, uh, I, because of the sign of the times, so, you know, previously, uh, last week, we voted with masks on. So I guess, you know, just kind of pandemic wise, how has that impacted or affected uh, the work you're doing or the legislature itself or any of that? Uh, the pandemic's definitely had a, a really um, serious impact. You know, the, the, legislator, the legislature, um, you know, stopped meeting in person back in, in March. Um, and we're hearing that they might not meet again in person until March. So, I mean, that, it, it changes the, the nature of the work because you can't do those in-person lobby days. So we're trying to come up with virtual lobby days. We work closely with our friends who actually do the, the lobbying and the face-to-face the -face meetings. And they've been setting up um, virtual meetings with the legislators, you know, over Zoom. So we've had to come up with ways to leverage that and make use of it. So what we've been doing is taking that kind of Brady Bunch photo, a screenshot of our constituents talking with their legislator. And then we put that on social media and tag the legislator and thank them for their support and use it that way. It's, it's really, you know, much like any business that's primarily deals with a lot of face-to-face of -face work, when you go to a remote option, when you're doing a lot of meetings by, by Zoom, it really makes it uh, more challenging. But in many ways, I think it's actually opened up some doors. It's forced um, a lot of people who were maybe reluctant to use technology to start embracing it. And I think that I'm noticing that some of our clients who traditionally had probably thought that, you know, the, the old ways of doing things that, you know, you go with your lobbyist, you meet with your legislator face to face and you go to the fundraisers and that's how it happens. It's forced them to really dig into and think about some of the stuff that we do on the, on the um, social media side and the earned media side. And in many ways, I think it's actually increased the value of agencies like ours and yours because when, when legislators want to hear directly from their constituents, um, these, these grassroots social media uh, campaigns are becoming increasingly uh, important. That's interesting. It's, it's almost like the, not that it's helped you, but the pandemic has uh, changed the point of view so that it may actually increase the impact of what you guys are doing. So it's, yeah. Well, uh, I think we've had an, a fantastic interview, Josh. Is there anything I didn't ask that you'd like to discuss or talk a little bit more about? The Buffalo uh, Bills? I, yeah, uh, I was say, I think where the Bills are going to end up this season. Um, you know, I've been really, I've been looking at the tea leaves and I, I think they've got the AFC East on lock, but there's some tough teams. They got to get through uh, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Um, I like them going to the AFC championship and losing to Pittsburgh in the AFC championship. I think this is their year to make it out of the first round. They're going to go a little deeper this year. And uh, I think, I think there's good things on the horizon. So go bills. Good job. I, I tend to agree. I think that it's pretty amazing that Pittsburgh continuously has the old man uh, behind the center and still uh, holds the, the North basically, which is crazy to me. So um, but yeah, we'll see. All my nephews are, are Cleveland Brown fans. And I'm like, come on, guys, seriously. 
That's not good. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't understand why anyone would be a Cleveland Brown fan, but it, it is what it is. So. Only one but, reason. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, right. <laughs> yes, the, the Bake Show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Josh, thank you once again for joining us. We had a fantastic time. It's always good to hear your thoughts. And uh, I just can't, I can't tell you enough. You, you may have surpassed the, um, the level in which I thought you were going to perform. So kudos to you on that. So that, that yeah, is, lots uh, of good ideas. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's uh, very humbling. You know, it's, uh, it's always tough. You know, you come into these things and you think, you know, I really want to be funny today. And then uh, you, my wife told me, she said, don't try and be funny. That's not the right play. Just be you. <laughs> <laughs> It's weird. See, that's the funny thing. That shows you're smarter than I am because my wife tells me that all the time and I go for it every time and it never works. So right there, it shows that you're way smarter than I am, Josh. So this is Tony Van. (laughs) This is Lauren Doherty. And this has been another exciting episode of The G Factor. Thank you for listening to G Factor. For more episodes, additional information, and a way to connect with Lauren and Tony, visit theguildfactor.com.